oh shit, somebody just crashed into the Ten Commandments monument in Little Rock, in Arkansas. The you see that? Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, obviously, we don't have a Ten Commandments in the bunker. No, no. I got a search engine thing that pings me whenever. Oh, right. Your alerts is freedom and uh, defamation of religious objects. Yeah. When those two things combine, <sighs> I can't believe. You know, after you made whatever weird pee joke I didn't get last time, I knew you were on the internet again. At first, you go on the internet, then you start scrolling around and before you know it it's like we're not even underground anymore what's the point that's not that's not really the only thing though what here take it here let me pull this up the you know so you're familiar with uh the apprentice yeah of course i know the apprentice we've been down here six months yeah well in part because the primaries were becoming such a joke after the uh the guy who was on there, yeah, yeah, joined the. Well, here, take a God, look. At, I mean, that was such a embarrassing disgrace. Well, so the thing about the uh, the apprentice is that it's canceled now. Oh, really? Let me but, see this. But that's not the big. Look at the headline up there about the apprentice stuff's down here. Hold on. So, uh, I guess they started this year, right? Yeah, they were going to do that thing with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh, this is a huge bummer then. Yeah. Schwarzenegger was going to host and... Yeah, no, it's just done. I don't know. Is this not coming back at all now? No, there's, it's totally done. Ugh. You know, you go underground for six months and then all of a sudden Celebrity Apprentice is gone. Yeah. I mean... You know, Pem was on that twice. That's, it was, that's one of the reasons that I've been keeping you down here so long as I knew you'd be heartbroken to find out that uh, Apprentice was taken off the air, even with Schwarzenegger level ratings. I mean, project management between Dee Snyder and Gilbert Gottfried is, it's just wonderful television. Mm-hmm. I always thought the fact they didn't have a celebrity host was what was holding that show back. Yeah. So putting Schwarzenegger in there. Yeah. How good would that have been? Pretty good. Uh, incidentally, I've sold the bunker, what? so we have to move out and Donald Trump runs Wait, the- wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. The apprentice Donald Trump runs the bunker? Yes. I sold the bunker to the president of the country. The what? Yes. <laughs> That's it. You said you sold it to Donald Trump. Uh, You're just putting me on. Do you sell it to the president or Donald Trump? Th- they're the same person now. Uh, I, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> That's That's what I'm saying. Donald Trump, the same Donald Trump is. It's tr- trust me. It's how can they both be the same person? It's still something we're having a hard time figuring out. What do you mean we're having a hard time? Fig- how long have you known about this? Longer than you. So Hillary was indicted. No emails or Benghazi or something. Nothing. Nothing has happened except Donald Trump is now the president. That's that's it. What about President Clinton? He's still around. Hillary, you idiot. Hillary wins the election, Mm-mm. moves into the White House. No. Goes into okay, here some go. war, war crimes or something happened. Okay, so it wasn't war. Right. Everybody wanted to lock her up and that got fucking out of hand and ridiculous. Ben Carson starts going The on. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson? No, you remember Ben Carson. He <laughs> ruined the phrase, it's not brain surgery. That guy. Um, she is he. He is Donald Trump and he put in Ben Carson. <laughs> I don't, I don't get this. Well, it's a lot to go through, but we also have an entire other year of things to go through. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. So you're saying he is the president 
of the United States. I'm saying he is a president of the United States. He's apparently not everybody's president of the United States. Yeah. How did that happen? You know, I thought the Suicide Girls were fucking with me. I heard them making some right. kind of joke about this, and I just didn't want to mm-hmm. hear anything about it. Mm-hmm. The 46th president of the United States. No, that's Mike Pence. The 45th president of the United States is Donald Trump. What about Clinton? He was the 42nd. 44 Obama, 45 Clinton, 46. Oh, yeah. No, not president. Well, I know she's not president. I get that, but... No, nothing. Never elected. What do you mean wasn't elected? The the president of the country was elected by a minority vote, and it was Donald Trump. Minority... Oh, hold on, hold on. The orange guy, the bloated guy with the, right. the saggy skin, super fucking old mm-hmm. from The Apprentice? That's correct. He's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, unfortunately. They couldn't even keep that show in the air with Arnold Schwarzenegger. How would that guy become the president? That's a good question. Maybe that's something we can get into more on your 10 of double feature. I don't understand how this is. You're saying after we went underground. Yes. That Donald won the presidency. No, 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 You're misunderstanding. You're misunderstanding. He did not get the most votes. He did, however, get elected president. This is ridiculous. The other thing, the electoral college. You know how when I go next time on Double Feature, we're going to do Autopsy of Jane Doe and the Witch, and you go, I don't know if I want to do that, and I go, great, that's what we're doing? That's how the Electoral College works. Well, who the fuck are those guys? You can't find out. Wait, aren't they supposed to overturn the vote when this happens? Probably. Okay, so like the tower he has in Chicago mm-hmm. and these places in New York, where, did they have to bulldoze them? Or No, somebody else, is, somebody else is in control of them now. Oh, so they renamed them. No, it's still Trump Tower. How is that even possible? Yeah. So Hillary didn't win. Correct. But she got everybody's vote probably by a landslide. Millions. It, by millions of, of human votes. Well, it would have had to been more than it was like a hundred million or something. It was closer to three million. Three million. No, the last thing before we went underground, Huffington right. Post said, you know, ninety nine percent. No, that that is it's also going to be Hillary Clinton. That did happen. You're remembering that correctly. Okay, okay, stop. Just just stop. Just fucking stop. That is an accurate feeling for the year 2017. <laughs> New York Times says everything is going great. Everything's super locked up. I guess the morning of, they probably would have announced it or quickly after. And then he, what, swindled these electoral college people, just the right number of them overturning the popular majority of every single state? No, it wasn't quite like that. Well, how many, you have the internet. How many people actually? For for Donald J. Trump. I mean, how many did he lose by? I, I honestly believe it's something like 3 million. In the whole country? Yeah. Three million votes. Right. That's barely more people than listen to Battleship Pretension. <clears throat> right. That's true. So you're saying no one showed up to vote? Um, no, it was closer to like... I mean like a record low or something. 125 million? Your math doesn't even make any sense. So we're talking Obama-McCain? Yeah. O- Obama-Mitt Romney? Yeah. Levels of like a, like a Bush-Gore? Right. Margin there? No, I don't think I don't think either of those two voted for him. Well, what about the other? What, how many votes did Mitt Romney get? Oh, I don't know. God, 
What? What about? What about Gary Johnson? Did Gary Johnson? Gary Johnson the, got like two percent or something. He didn't even carry any states. He did beat Jill Stein, Evan McMullen, and Harambe was a close fifth. I I just I don't know how to process this. That's okay. We have fifty-two shows plus AC to process this now. What? What is the world like? Um, do you remember the movie Children of Men? Sure. It's like that, except you can't do drugs legally. Because of the babies thing? No, because of just the the general disarray and fear undercut by hopelessness and Clive Owen's career dying. You know, when people tweet us and say you're a confusing storyteller, this is the kind of thing they're talking about. So what about the checks and balances in the rest of the government? It turns out you don't have to run a government. It turns out you just leave the government alone and set things up to make you money. Oh, so Mike Pence is really the president and Trump just... Unlikely. No, I, I'm not sure Mike Pence is ever even there. Paul Ryan is the president of the United States? No. Do you remember the Breitbart guy? The one who died? No, the the guy after him, the dude who uh, the dude who made those movies in the nineties. No, I have no idea who you're talking about. His name is uh, it's not Dan O'Bannon. That's the Dan O'Bannon made Steve Bannon. Oh, no, but he's doing everything at the White House. Him and uh, Donald Trump's son-in-law. What? How long has this been going on? Do you know what year it is? I assume it's 2017. It is 2017. It's been going on. So did on. they just settle the election or how long did oh, that? Oh, I mean like, you know, six hours or something. Really? Wow. Gore had a harder time with that. There wasn't even rioting in the streets? Mm-mm. How could he even? I know, but unfortunately. He grabbed them by the pussy. Right. I know. It ruined Billy Bush's career. All right. Well, I don't know. We'll talk about this later. We got we to gotta start the show. I always forget our year end finales. Does this count as the first episode of year 10 or is this the last episode of year nine? I just want to know exactly how celebratory to be. I think this is the last. Okay. I, don't, I don't We're know. We're going to call this the last episode. What are you eating? I'm unpacking this Dharma drink out here. What are you, what are you cracking? What does it say? Soylent. Okay. I'm stress eating. What do you, what do you want? Well, boys, looks like we started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? Give me one goddamn reason why I shouldn't blow your goddamn brains all over that goddamn wall. My name is Eric. I'm here with Harbinger of Doom. Michael Kester. That's me. I checked that during the intro. I can't believe you're not fucking with me. Yeah. No, I, I have a feeling that's going to continue for the next probably two, two and a half years. And then I think the president will have a heart attack. And then I think we'll have a different problem. <sighs> How are you so okay with this? You just eventually give up, I think is what happens. Oh, well, I mean, I understand that. All right. Well, we still got to do the show. So, regardless of what it looks like back in LA, I have to assume there are still people up there and they listen to podcasts. Whatever nonsense, there's 
still a world where two people can just talk about random movies on the internet. So far, that is the case. Is that time running out? To a degree. Oh, Anything with the internet may be running out. We have to work on that. But uh, This is a fucking disaster. Right. You know, I was wondering why Paul was in here with you the other week crying, and now it actually a lot of these things make sense around here. All right, so we're going to do this show this year end. I feel like I'm in a state of fucking emergency right now, but at the very least, this will be a very good encapsulation of what happened in the last year. Sure, yeah. Just in case, I don't know, time and space fold in on each other. I don't even know what will happen. I'm going to attempt to just collect my thoughts. Why don't you explain to people what the... Uh, the yeah. Of the United States? Well, they already moved in and everything? Well, yeah, I mean, she like literally just moved in like a couple weeks ago, but he's been there for a while. Well, he's been there during the week for a while. Clinton? No, uh, his wife. The mail order bride? I'm pretty sure she's... Is she Ukrainian? Slovakian. So she's just now moving in. Yeah, no, she was uh she was just hanging out at the tower. Would she have a lot of luggage or something? It's all good. It's okay. I, I, all right, I can't. I can't. What are we doing? What, what why why does this show Ah, why does this show Well, there's the short answer and the long answer. The okay, we have a very special episode of the show. Uh-huh. It's the last of the year, and I just want to know what well so we're going to talk about um year nine of double feature we should talk a little bit about what's going to happen on year 10 of double feature we tend to do this thing where we go hey remember this pair that was a good pair i hate that let's not do that sometimes we list stuff sometimes we talk about movies we try to not spoil anything for a change yeah i remember this okay and then the last couple of these we kind of did like a this is what it's like living in the world at the time that this is happening. But I think we just did that. So I'm now going back through all our episodes. So we just put up White Dog and Blazing Saddles. Well, we just put up Nymphomaniac and Love, but yeah. Does White Dog and Blazing Saddles even make any sense anymore? Oh, I mean, that episode... It's a good question. (laughs) Have things changed since... I mean... The 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 resolutions we had been banking on ended up not being resolutions, and uh, oh. the fights have become enduring instead of wrapping up. I think. Oh. So if you had known that Donald is president when we did White Dog and Blazing Saddles, would the conversation have been that much different? Probably. It was still good. I mean, that was a great show. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe greater because we didn't know. Well, I think there's a couple things that we can revisit in a different light. Um, I think that's a good one. I think a more glaring one may be something along the lines of last year's journey. Sure. Which dealt directly with drugs and war. War and peace or war and drugs. War, War and peace. I thought it was supposed to be war and peace. War and peace. It was war and peace. Was it war and peace or war and drugs? Uh, it was a war and peace idea. Either one, we just made the joke about the other one. But it definitely, it's interesting to look at that sort of idea in a, in a world that seems far more poised to do battle, I would say. Are we at war? 
I mean, sure, probably somewhere. Oh, uh, so like usual. Yeah, yeah, no, that's about the same. Yeah. How are people not fighting in the streets? There's just, it's a lot, there's a lot more talking about more war now. The, the scary kind. Mm. Well, that part doesn't surprise me at all. And I just, I think it's really interesting. We covered a lot of movies. So what were these war movies? Let me go back. I've got the list here. So we covered Top Gun, which was fluffy and Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, American Sniper and The Deer Hunter. And I think at the time that felt super comprehensive to me as far as like the- It the, still does, yeah. Well, but I think what's interesting and what we, have ne- what we haven't visited and what may be something we have to try and target come year 10 is, um, I guess we touched on it a little bit with the deer hunter, but the idea of what it's like being at war when you are not a warrior, right? Mm. I would really like to try and visit. So here's, here's an example, right? So, um, do you remember, um, shit, this would have been Obama one. There's this thing that came out called chat roulette. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. 80% of chat roulette was dudes masturbating before my free camps. Yeah. 15% was, um, fake images of hot women and 5% of chat roulette was groups of people under the age of 20 staring at a screen giggling because they couldn't believe there were other people on the screen. Right. Right. Um, so during that time, in that brief flash of history, I used chat roulette in a group of two giggly sub 20 something. I guess I was over 20. Um, looking at the, the screen with uh, our mutual friend, Rob, who is in the double feature movie, which I believe the original negatives of that have survived the blast since they were in the bunker. Yes. Okay. So in that time, briefly in through chat roulette we came upon a group of three quintessentially attractive russian girls right and we thought it was a joke and then it turned out there were actually three russian girls on chat roulette and uh we ended up one of the girls and i ended up trading email addresses we corresponded and now it's 2017 so we correspond via instagram which is like chat roulette only personal and people actually use it oh and so here's the thing anyway. So in, in 2017, there's a mounting level of hostility once again with Russia. Okay. Sure. And meanwhile, I'm on Instagram, which has these, um, remember Snapchat? Yes, absolutely. Just before the bunker. Absolutely. So Instagram just does the Snapchat thing now, largely where you can just upload videos of yourself that last for 24 hours. Stories. And I will go through and I'll watch her Instagram stories and it's just her and some friends, you know, at a bar or her and some friends driving around listening to Russian pop music or her and some friends smoking in a parking lot. <laughs> sure. Meanwhile, you and I were doing podcasts, we're working on personal projects, <laughs> sure. I'm going on tour, you know, these things are happening. Sure. And that is what two countries at war apparently really looks like, right? Is she's, you know, going to the club and I'm, you know, recording and releasing records and the two leaders of our country are pointing nuclear warheads at us because they're mad at each other. Weird. Yeah. It just carries on. It's very Dr. Strangelove. You know, this explains why Ivy Lena was running around here. So pissed off. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't ever understand what that girl says, but <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. We did, you know, we did a string of shows with the participants of the bunker, the girls that are here. Mm-hmm. We started that back at White God and the Tribe, which was also a really great show. And that was when we first came down and the isolation happened. And we knew the people around really wanted to resist whatever was going on above ground, but we kind of kept ignorant of that. Mm-hmm. And there were a medium for getting food and finding out what Tarantino was doing and these types of things. Uh, Jimmy Sin was the first one who came on when we were doing that before Ruby True suicide and Anastasia suicide, Dallas, a bunch of different people. Lufay was on. Uh, Lucy, old school Lucy, Sid Suicide, Erica Fett, who actually, I just saw Erica Fett the other day trying to move a, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, who else did we, yeah, Ivy Lena, Harum, and Oswin. That was a really random thing for us to do this year, but I've been meaning to uh, do something with the Suicide Girls for a long time. And I thought it was kind of cool that they came on and fill in some of the gaps for everybody who was listening while we were busy with stuff here. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of funny mm-hmm. that it's, you know, we finally get to collaborate with them and it, it's an audio thing. Yeah. That was actually it's probably, probably my favorite girls who are known visually. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even identify a lot of them by voice. Uh, and that was our collaboration. You could see those, both the war thing and all the Suicide Girls stuff on the website. There's a category section on there um, or doublefeature.fm forward slash Suicide Girls. Just go look up all the categories. There's a War and Peace. Is it War and Peace or you have to decide now? What is it? It's, I think it's War and Peace is, is the idea. That was the original idea. That's the better joke, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Go for the better joke. Sure. So we learned a lot about war and peace through that endeavor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I learned a lot, but looking back now. Sure, sure. It, I didn't think at the time that the Cold War was an integral part of that story. Yeah, right. And we didn't include it. And now it's looking as relevant as ever. Definitely. Maybe there's an opportunity, you know, when we do year 10 to look into more of the Cold War stuff. That's a good point. Another thing I want to focus really heavily on just because of the zeitgeist, I want to look into the idea of propaganda. You mean beyond Top Gun? For two reasons. One, I would like to increase the uh, patronage on our Patreon page. That is patreon.com forward slash double feature. So we're going to figure out how to propagandize that. We're going to come back to that too. And then I also want to look at the idea of propaganda both through cinema and of cinema, right? Yeah. I, I kind of have that in my mental like, outline so of, of stuff I want to cover. Steve Bannon, for example, was a film producer, independent, I shouldn't say independently wealthy, but he gained a ton of money from a, te- a television. You mean Dan O'Bannon? No, Steve Bannon. Dan O'Bannon is dead. Right, right. The Bart Bright guy, right? He he got a lot of money from this little known '90s television series that ran for a while called Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, I love Seinfeld. And so he used a lot of that money to um, 
you know, create documentaries about Ronald Reagan. Well, this guy doesn't sound so bad. And a few other weird things. And, I, and I've been learning a lot about that and uh, about a woman named Riefenstahl. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I'm sure we'll learn in the documentary or whatever. Who was an actor basically during the Third Reich who was hired essentially to make propaganda films. And her lust for fame was so great that she didn't say no because uh you know a job's a job and a country's a country and as long as you know the bottom line's the bottom line you can run it i'm getting a look from you like that is a familiar scenario i think that may be something to revisit yeah in year 10 like that is something that mhm destroy a country create propaganda films so what did you mention not dan o'bannon steve bannon what's his relevance to this He's on the presidential council right now. He uh, is a big player in the way the country is run. He also... um, So there are good things in the administration. Is an outward opponent of, you know, people who are Jews or people who are brown Uh, or people who are black. The Seinfeld guy? Really anybody. So imagine, imagine, imagine like... Hold on, I feel like you buried the lead here. There's a paid Nazi in the White House? Um, a Nazi. I mean, yeah, of course. At least one. <laughs> what? That is horrible. What do you mean, a Nazi? I mean, you know, that's like saying there's a cockroach in the wall. Like, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, there's a cockroach in the wall. <laughs> How could you have a Nazi, let alone? Um, and you're saying it's just like life before up there? It's hard to say. <laughs> I didn't even know there were Nazis in the United States. All right, show, films. Now that I've got my thoughts a little better collected here, I I guess, I wanted to talk about the different kinds of runs we did on the show. Mm -hmm. I want to give people updates on all the projects we've done throughout the years. A little peek at the AC. I want to talk about the death of the Kickstarter and talk about some of our collaborations and dug up outside the show. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, you know, of course, some of the favorite movies, favorite pairs Mm -hmm. before we give a little insight into what we're doing on year 10. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So two of those things, I think we already got to, I wanted to talk about war and peace and I wanted to talk about the suicide girls. Yeah, no, definitely. Theme wise though, we had a bunch of themes that worked out really well this year and a couple that we didn't even plan for. Themes on Double Feature have a tendency of, of doing one of two things. Either we call them and they're wrong, or we don't call them and find strong ones. Those are, uh, and, then, and then the strong show, I mean, honestly, in a, in a more reflective way, the shows that we usually come on the year end and go, that was a good show, those are the diamonds in the rough where the theme we called actually resonated super strongly. Right. Those are our good shows where we go, you know, this would be a cool way to look at this theme. And then it is a cool way to look at that theme. But as far as other sequences of episodes, we had, well, we had unintentional themes. We also had a a couple really good themes for individual episodes this year. I'm looking at like, remember when we did three o'clock high in Ken Park? Sure. And, uh, we had this idea that it would kind of be about bullying or whatever. And it ended up being more about violence. Yeah. And 
not that that was a great show. Three o'clock high is still one of those movies that when I'm out looking, you know, for random vintage periphera, such as a digital video disc or a Blu-ray video disc, I always have my eyes peeled for three o'clock high now. I hear there is still one blockbuster left and it is not too far from where you lived. No, I know. I really wanted to go on that trip. I really, really did. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, living underground prevents you from doing a lot of things. I know. We talked about a bunch of these individual themes throughout the year, and I have a bunch of my favorites. But the thing I wanted to make sure we didn't miss is a couple of the odd themes, the odd just little series or connections that developed over the year of the show. Mm-hmm. We had the Year of the Dog, as you mentioned before in the show. A lot of fucking dog films this year. Right. If you came to me and you said, Eric, why don't we do a dog double feature? I would say, fuck no. Right. Why would we? I don't have any interest in that. Oh, great. The Homeward Bound market and the, the old grumpy person plays a boss baby that loves lasagna or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But these dog yeah. movies even though they had some things they shared in common, it was interesting to see how wrong I was. The animal genre, if you will. Sure, yeah. Or animals as a kind of a medium, I guess. It doesn't always cover one broad PG, you know, you take your kids to it on a holiday that has an arc that has a pleasant message. Not to say that very formula can't do a lot of different things, but... Dog films can be very double feature. Well, I think one of the things that I learned is that utilizing animals in film, especially when you're trying to make a point about um, life on life uh, relationships, removes a level of prejudice that everybody has toward every other human. Mm hmm. It kind of, the the notion of uh, what's the natural born killers thing. Someone's got some sin, some dark thing in their past that they're not proud of that, you know, that makes it so they deserve to die. And you can remove whatever level of belief you have in that notion by instead of it being a human, you make it say a dog. You suddenly just go by anything that happens to this dog is entirely not um, the dog did not deserve this, right? You, you look at the notion, you look at you, you strip away a level of humanity, which actually sometimes clouds our ability to judge the actions of a thing, um, or to a thing, which is something I had not considered until we did, you know, white God, until we did white dog, until we did, you know, all that other, all the other dog movies. Well, we had an interesting lead up retroactively, I guess, when we started our string of beaver shows. Right. Because when you produce double feature, we do beaver movies. Yep. But we started with, what was the name of the beavers? I remember we did Pet Cemetery, but... It was called uh, Goddamn, Look at Those Beavers. Leave It to Beavers. It was called Leave It to Beavers. Leave It to Beavers. Yeah, right. Cute. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was it. But we eventually moved into that human integration when we did the voices and tyrannosaur and that wasn't exactly the reason we did it that way in fact i think it's exactly not the reason we did it that way mm -hmm. but the voices ended up being what if we could talk to pets like they were humans 
and you know their personalities right in a way that you could only know them if you see it through a man you know by putting different voices of a single character into different characters and then making those characters animals i think we get a powerful we were led in a direction we could take all the bloody media in that movie and go oh well that's the cat that's not mm-hmm. our guy and we could follow this guy around in his pink jumpsuit and just be hanging out, be happy. And then when bad times would go down, we're kind right, of reminded, right. oh, yeah, the, the cat is actually part of his. The cat and the dog don't really. That's, mm-hmm. that's why they talk, because of that. And it also says a lot about the sides that a person shows to you right. and how they compartmentalize in their mind. And all this from, uh, I mean... A movie that maybe none of that was even intentional, but right. it came from this wonderful little splat movie. Uh huh. Paired with that, Tyrannosaur was also launched with some dog violence. And, and don't forget Valley of Violence. There's a dog. We're now down to there's a dog. There is a dog in in the Valley of Violence. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody got any dog shout outs? Jason Four quintessential dog viewing and there used to be dogs in fast food nation i think we got all the dog shout outs um actually you speaking i'm sorry that was my own awful segue that was unintentionally really contrived but i want to talk killapaloozas better than the intentional ones we did some killapaloozas in year nine which some so i feel like killapaloozas fall into one of two categories one is us banging our head against the wall from the first film The other is us slowly going, holy shit, there's actually more Killapaloozas out there, and this is one of them. And we found some. I thought as we dig the bottom of the barrel, I thought we were going to have trouble finding ones that were really worth talking about, but they'd be fun, and you know, the audience loves those shows. Yeah, they were definitely, I mean, they were as legit as as some of our earlier viewings of Killapaloozas. We found stuff that generated really good conversations. And then we went into the additional content to revisit the Killapaloozas. But Some of the first and second year, yeah. Which we'll talk about in a second, but as far as year 10 goes, something really interesting has happened. So Double Feature is now turning 10, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's actually technically turning 11 because of that year we just hoarded uh, shows and watched uh, movies. And played Marvel Ultimate Alliance until 5 a.m. Mm, simpler times. Yeah, right, exactly. What I affectionately call year zero of Double Feature, which is why we can't release it copyright. One of the things that's really fascinating that we probably could have, well, we, we could have done a better job with, with something like The Purge, but that we managed to call out early on is that franchises that have begun after the beginning of Double Feature, have now achieved Killapalooza status. We can finally, in year 10, get into the Conjuring universe. The yeah, James Wan yeah. Conjuring universe is Killapalooza appropriate now. Insidious. Uh, Insidious is, is close. We did cover Insidious. Yeah, it's okay. Insidious only went up to three, but The Conjuring has a sequel and two spinoffs. So it's already in four, and I believe we're pushing five, yeah. Oh, it's already there, yeah. Which is exciting. But there's also, so I have a list 
There's also uh, Jaws, which you finally acknowledge has enough sequels to be a Killapalooza. Yeah, why not? But on a similar subject, we are actually, I know you're going to hate this idea, and I'm not uh, saying we should do it, but I'm also <laughs> not saying we shouldn't do it. But you do feel the need to put it on the record in public. I just want everybody to know that this is a possibility, and the, the public response could create uh, the Kung Fury movie. We have achieved a place in cinema, Mr. 13, where we could do an all shark year of Killapalooza between Jaws, the shark attack films, and yes, Sharknado. Featuring Penn and Teller, Gilbert Godfrey, and of course, the wonderful Sarah Mullico Lane, star of Sunchoke, and his position. There are shark franchises that could run a year of Killapalooza. So I'm just, I'm not saying we have to do it because there's also this weird uh, Japanese thing I found out about called Tomi, where a person has the ability to rebuild themselves. So they die in every movie and come back as a different person. That seems interesting. So we have some options here. There's options. Um, but my, my, I guess my point is, whereas last year we felt like we were hitting the bottom of the barrel uh, the barrel hath refilled a little for year 10. That's the idea is that there's still stuff coming out. It's not, it's apparently the, the cup will continue to be filled as we drink from it. Well, look at the stuff we just did. I mean, this year, I think we started with the Omen, but we did the Exorcist and uh, Pumpkinhead sure. and, and Ghoulies has infamy, but Pumpkinhead is, uh, what is this guy with a pumpkin for head? And when you see it, there isn't even a guy with a pumpkin and a head. Uh -huh. But those movies, I don't, I don't want to say legit because that almost sounds mean. They are practical marvels. Mm -hmm. They have great people associated with them. Yeah, they're much unsung yep. film. They have a chronology. They have an arc to them. There's an arc to they, it. Yeah, I feel like we really put the light on something that even myself would never have have bothered watching ever. Which brings me to uh, what we did on AC, which is the the final re we finally revisited some of the original Killapaloozas. The you know everything we've done, we revisited. We did. Um, we already put we we did the show. What was the one? Um, hard reboots of of Killapalooza classics. So we got up to Killapalooza thirty this year. There we go with Ghoulies on the main show. Mm -hmm. On additional content, we're going to have 31, 32, and maybe 33. Killip was a 33. Right. And also managed to create different themes for those shows. Because like we said, the movies keep coming out. So not only does this allow us to cover the newer films that have come out in franchises we've already covered, but there are so many new topics of conversation that these movies bring up. Mm-hmm. So people who love the really analytical shows, these have been great for that. And obviously the people who love Killapaloozas, this is great for them too. We just did one that was, we went through all of the franchises that had reboots and reimaginings. And that show itself was, you know, it was the catch up on the slashers, but it also let us talk about how this whole series of reboots and reimaginings happened. Sure. And what the public kind of feared about them. 
what fans were really skeptical about at the time. And now that the baggage of this thing coming out isn't really with us anymore because some of these movies are, you know, years and years old now, we can really look at them and see what happened there. And that was, that was really the theme of this whole first round of revisiting the slashers. And the next thing we're going to visit for sure, or one of these next two, we're going to visit now the films that enter into the same canon of the previous franchises. So they're not, you know, remakes. The, they're, they're movies that largely consider themselves at least a sequel or at least in the same universe as the original film. And I, I, I know where the conversation is going to go here because I know where I learned a lot watching these, which is what constitutes an acceptable Killapalooza sequel 10 plus years after this franchise has, has come out and died. And we're going to see that in a few interesting ways because we're going to see that with a current series, we're going to revisit and conclude the paranormal activity films. But we also get to see um, a Hellraiser film that ditches Doug Bradley, but claims to be in the same universe. So we get to talk about whether or not your actor is uh, the, the force behind your, your franchise. Sure. Um, Something we just warmed up a little bit on the additional content, Killapalooza, we just did, mm-hmm. of all of these movies cast new actors and attempts to reboot. And was that the travesty? that everybody decried at the time. And if it was, why was it? And if it wasn't, why not? And then we're also going to look back at one of our favorite Killapaloozas to hate, which is the... uh, He Who Hides Behind the Rose. Children of the Corn franchise. But I think that's going to... That's going... There's going to be a really interesting conversation there about when it's time to make a sequel. And... I also am really very, very excited to talk about the new, newest Texas Chainsaw entry, which claims to be a direct sequel to the first film. Okay, so this is an interesting look because you it's part of the original universe, but it kind of ignores everything after the first movie. So that's an interesting conversation. It almost feeds into that narrative we're trying to diffuse right. or, uh, or, or look at a little more critically, which is that they're just trying to ruin everyone's childhood. Uh-huh. It feels like if any franchise should not have a, we ignored all the previous canon, it's Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So much cult legacy came out of that, that it was one of the few movie franchises that people would go, Oh, a reboot. Cool. We can try another string of thoughts. And instead it goes, those movies, poof, valueless, out of existence. Which is interesting because I would argue that this Texas Chainsaw remake is the, or sorry, this Texas Chainsaw sequel is the remake we've always deserved, having seen it. Already contentious. And finally, and possibly most interestingly, Phantasm Five, called Ravager, which is here's here's the fascinating beat about that same cast from the original series. I don't know if you remember that series, but it's the series where it's the same cast almost all the way through with the exception of swapping a child actor one time. Except Don Coscarelli does not return to direct. Wow. 
Yeah. So you get to it's we are really going to have to explore the inner workings of what maketh a Killapalooza when we revisit it on this next day. See, I'm really excited to talk about it. So highly, highly recommend getting involved in this additional content if you're not already. So those are Killapaloozas 31 and 32, maybe 33 that are on the additional content side. Mm -hmm. 31 is available right now on, hey, we have a double features member system. That's a new thing this year. Mm -hmm. Good job on that. Good job on that. Yeah. That was a bitch of a project, but that was really cool to do. I haven't done any coding really uh, of a project this size since I left Silicon Valley. And uh, it's just really, I'm really proud of the work. It's really cool. You just log in right where you see you know, you go to members, doublefeature.fm forward slash members, you log in, and then you'll see the additional content right there. And then I think next month, if not the month after, I think maybe next week because of where it fell, we're going to have that other follow-up, Killapalooza 32. And then 33, 34, 35, 36, those Killapaloozas will return to the main double feature timeline which brings up patreon and more importantly death to fucking kickstarter (laughs) year nine this was the year of well year nine was the year of the rape we all know that i didn't talk about that in those themes it's okay it gets overlooked quite a bit don't worry about it every aspect of uh in the time spent in the bunker do you remember uh before we went under how that rapist who used to be on that other popular sitcom was getting indicted because of all the raping he had raped. Yeah, Cosby. Yeah, he's fine now. He got off. Now he's doing like a book tour or something about like how Ugh. how to rape and get away with it. Yeah. But there were like 70 women or something. No, yeah, he's I believe I believe uh there's actually a really a really good quote by him as he's leaving the trial where they they declared a mistrial. Mm. He said uh hey hey hey. What he said. That is officially the worst joke you've ever made on the show. The worst <laughs> one. Reality now. <laughs> what do you, he really said that on his way out of the That's trail. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the worst jokes he's ever made That's, on the show. I thought you told me reality was mostly fine. Is it fine out there or not? It's closer to not. Yeah. What the fuck ever. Okay. Patreon. Patreon, Patreon is, fine. is fine. It's beyond fine. If you're at the $8 level on that, you can log in, get the Killapaloozas. If you're at the $10 level, you're going to be able to contribute to the upcoming AC starting next month. We're going to be taking your selections and then giving you the content as we create it. And we'll do that throughout the year. And once we finish it, we're going to give that content as well to the $8 tier people. And they'll have that whole batch of shows to listen to at the end of the year. Because we want everybody to, to get that eventually. What I'm saying is everybody get it's, on that it's Patreon. It's only going to get better. The Patreon-related material is only going to improve. I'd like to argue with you about that. <laughs> oh, really? I think it's only going to get more flexible. Yeah. Patreon is perfect for us. It basically goes, your show is worth this amount. Now, we've set the needle at the bare amount of money that we can do the show uh-huh. and you know additional content. Basically, at the level we're at right now, no, no better than that. 
no more resources than that. But once we get to that $1,000 point, which we're, we're far from now, we need more people on for that. But once we get to that, we can do the show really at the level we want and the level people you know, should, should come to expect now. This is a great level for podcasts from so long ago, but you can't run a podcast with two people anymore. It's way too fucking hard. Forward slash double feature. It's real easy. So that is patreon.com forward slash double feature. <laughs> the orange button on the normal site, doublefeature.fm. You'll see that on the right. On the mobile site, there's a special fancy spot for it. That was another thing that came out this year for the show is uh, there's a new mobile site. It's a responsive design site. It works on the desktop and on mobile. It's very cool. I'm happy about that too. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing about this Patreon though is we did manage to keep the show alive and without Kickstarters. Right. That we hit this first goal. It was step one of three. Step one of three keeps the show alive. And we got there. There you go. <laughs> and not only does this whole thing kill off the Kickstarter, but it also gives us a single place where everybody can go to to find everything we put out, all the double feature stuff we put out, all the things we've collected on the site, the David Lynch weather report videos and the Rob Zombie stuff and uh, other themes we've done, commentaries. Even stuff that you and I have done that have been kind of strung around. We have that old music video we shot, <laughs> the uh, the live video when I was learning how to uh, how to shoot. Really, our fucking movie that's going to go up there. That's double feature the movie. The Suicide Girls found that here, and, and they were like, "Hey, uh, are you doing something with this? What is this incredible footage?" So that was embarrassing, but yeah, that's going to come out. And it's nice that that's just there now. It's not a once a year, uh, what tier can I get this stuff? And when can I, oh, I missed the sign up and I can't get AC till this time next year. No, it's awesome. It's great. And now it's all just in, on the website, in the cloud. It doesn't have to sit on a folder in my computer somewhere. <laughs> you could see what you get at what level. It's really, really clear. And all the levels get you most of the stuff. The double features themselves. Hitting at that, that $10 level is a real sweet spot because you're getting the AC as it's coming out. You're contributing to it. I think the Patreon's a really great thing. So double feature, year nine was year of the rape and year of the dog and mm -hmm. the year of... Dog rape. Will and Defoe? Or where do we end up? You said you had the answer on that. Who was Let the... Let me double check. I have a note. But I, I, I'm fairly certain that it was clinched in the 11th hour by a small cameo in a film called Nymphomaniac. You're gonna have to remind. You're gonna have to remind everybody what the question was. Um, so we we had a uh, kind of a running thing going, trying to figure out whether um, was it Ke it was Keanu Reeves or Willem Dafoe who was going to win out on. Double feature year nine for showing up on the program. And I believe it was neck and neck until the very, very last moment when Willem Dafoe showed up for a tiny, tiny, tiny role in Nymphomaniac. I think that's when he clinched it. You know, we could have cheated now because another thing that's on that goddamn Patreon, I keep forgetting about all this stuff. There's so much of it. But for years, we've been talking about John's 
data collection, his data bank of double feature information, <laughs> which includes, you know, what actors have been in what films, what have we done on certain shows, and just all of this metadata. And we decided, fuck it. This is, it's time to give people a peek behind the show. Mm-hmm. And so we made that whole massive collection of data available to every Patreon member. You go in and subscribe on doublefeature.fm and you could see the thing that we've all been operating on behind the scenes. It's just a massive, massive document that has everything that's ever happened on the show. You can draw all these comparisons between different things, see when we picked up certain trends and dropped things off. Right. Creatively, it's it's such a good look back. It is a better retrospective of the show than we could ever do sitting here. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. If you haven't seen that, you have to go look at that. The data that's in there, I mean, it's been acquired over years and years, and it is just amazing to see. I, we wouldn't even have time to, to go over it on the show. There's just so much of it. All right, so we've gotten through a lot of the things I want to talk about, but I want to I wanna know the thing that people probably expect out of the show. I want to look back on these double features this year, and I want to see... The best and worst. Sure, sure, yeah, for sure. I think in considering the worst ones, they can be bad because of a number of things. We paired them wrong. We came down wrong on the theme. We fucked up the show. Any of the top number of shows we, we fucked up, number of things we used to do those negative countdowns for, that can all be covered under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. And then good double features can be, wow, two great movies that came out of nowhere or wow I didn't think that theme was going to work and it did Mm -hmm. or fuck yeah that theme was great which I really want to concentrate on but really any number of reasons those episodes were really the pairs of the year okay do you have one off the top of your head you want me to go ahead and start I'd like to be able to do three of these be critical about three of these shows okay so I want to make sure we pick good ones I want to throw out a runner up though actually yeah Train spotting and the deer hunter. Yeah. We spent a lot of time speculating on a sequel that had already come out. We're in a fucking bunker, people. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. I start getting all these messages coming in telling me, hey, you were speculating on train spotting. It turns out there is a sequel. You're talking about it like it. Yeah, I know that now. I have no idea what's been happening in the outside world for at least the last six months. How am I supposed to know there's a train spotting coming out? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How do they even make a whole train spotting movie behind my back in six months? Fucking ridiculous. All right. Well, I'm going to say 0% my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you fucked up a little bit. But we did get to have a great conversation about where would those characters go after the movie that we could no longer have if uh, it had been at a time where someone had leaked the information to us that there was, in fact, a train spotting too. That would have been nice. Or mailed us a, a nice tape, a VHS of it, or what have you. I'm definitely going to go on. I've got a couple here that I'm looking at. Actually, there are two, two episodes. These episodes were back to back, and the episodes were fine. The conversations were fine, but I feel like, feel like we missed big aspects of these two movies. 
And it's it's a little sad because we didn't pick these two movies. I was trying to just put the onus of responsibility on us by saying something like burnt offerings. Man, we weren't really weren't ready to talk about that after something like House. Hey, everything's changed now. These people are the show. Yeah. I mean, they really the people who joined the Patreon at certain levels, mm-hmm. we get together in groups. We just did this today to talk about a bunch of stuff. But we've done it with the showrunners all the time. It really is when we say it's a community thing, we're not kidding about that. Right. We include that whole group yeah. as people who make the show because they do. You know, when we say something fucked up, we, you know, you and I are more comfortable blaming each other, but it could also be from not taking the input of, of the rest of the group that really does make the show. So I feel like um, Computer Chess was a movie we could have visited harder. I mean, I feel like the movie was dense and I feel like we could have attacked it more, but the, you only get 24 minutes and computer chess has a lot going on. Well, and had blindsided you yeah. what it was about. Exactly. Um, but also <laughs> Petten in the Park, a movie that we probably could have gotten past the musical elements of sooner. And a phrase I hope you would never use again. I feel like with with Gold Diggers of 1933, our big flaw there was getting stuck in the time period and not quite. I feel like we have a tendency to do that because, well, we used to be young (laughs) and uh, we have a tendency to look at old movies like old movies and act as if the the sheer classic nature of the film is its own charm and really the substance takes a backseat to the fact that the movie still exists in 2017 which is stupid and i feel like it's something you know but you cover different things in different ways yeah people gave us grief about that show four or five people and they all had totally different reasons yeah so i mean double feature prides itself on having a different conversation intentionally with something like say the shining but unintentionally here maybe Mm -hmm. so i can be sad it's unintentional but i felt like yeah we missed the fact that musicals are exploitation let's say but sure every show is exploitation and i'm not sure how much i have to add to how musicals are exploitation sure or a number of other things that there is a lot to say with gold diggers but uh i'm not the person to tell you that if I could, I would I would go back and I would pair Gold Diggers of 1933 with this new movie, Baby Driver. And I think musicals if are... If you could ex- go back and go forward, you mean? Right. Uh, I think uh, musicals or exploitation could be thematically strong in that situation. But I honestly, you know, I never would have called that. Well, it's great though. That dumb. criticism became an idea for a future show. And I like hearing criticisms for that reason. If you feel like we missed a potential thematic criticism, that is the best criticism. That's a free gift. If you just feel like, hey, I want to criticize people comfortably more often, you should Mm -hmm. criticize us for saying you missed this interesting thematic avenue because that's it's a free gift to us. It's a whole line of thinking that we can go down with another set of movies later time, and we really want to hear that. So, Computer Chess and Alphaville. Baby's first Godard. Man, (laughs) for a few reasons, that might be my least favorite. Okay. That's, 
It's a lot of personal. It's because I don't think I've had baby's first Godard yet. Uh huh. Which sounds crazy because we watched those movies and did a show about them. And since then, I've listened to that show a few times. <sighs> After 10 years, I've stopped really caring about keeping my personality and my personal life out of the show. Mm -hmm. There's 100,000 movie shows. And if I can inject anything insightful into this show, it's probably because it came from an experience that's unique to me. I mean, I can't come on here and teach a class. We're not teaching a class about these movies. We're trying to have the highest level of conversation we can, we can have. Bringing the most we think our brains can work out. And that's why we go for a lot of the thought experiments and things like that. Mm -hmm. So my brain does not work as well as it used to. And I haven't updated you about this since I had a fucking meltdown, but I found out earlier in the year that mm -hmm. I have dementia. I'm surprised you remember that. And it, you've been really good about this, <laughs> by the way. The amount of just like, this has been like a really heavy, hard yeah. time for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. And you have come back with nothing but, no, I mean, I instantly get out of this awful mood. It's rare that anybody, the greatest of people, alternative pinup models can get me out of this mood. But you <laughs> just make great jokes about it every single time. And I appreciate that. But a little more information since that happened is that I had signs of dementia. And it's starting to look like I don't have dementia. But what that does mean, it doesn't matter what that means. I'm fine. I'm fine. I take a lot of drugs now. They switch all the time. It sucks. Cool. But I think I can get my memory back or stop losing it or... Cool. Having said that, I don't remember a single frame of Alphaville. That whole show, if I had to take a basic test in school, you watch Alphaville, I'm going to, here, here's the quiz, was the film in black and white? I failed that test. I don't you know. might not. You have a 50% chance of not failing that test, but I see your point. I realized maybe that was, that was not the right, yeah. I'm not a good uh, mm -hmm. test writer, but I don't remember the plot. I don't remember the characters. I don't remember how old it is. I don't remember why we paired it. This has never happened on the show. Yeah. I literally have no recollection of Alphaville. Interesting. And it was only the middle of the year or something. I'm not talking about a show from 10 years ago. So that's my life. I, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything to say about No, I mean, no. <laughs> was I good on the show? That seems, it seems, yeah, that's, it should, yeah, definitely. You know what's weird about this, though, is I went and listened to the episode when I mixed it, mm -hmm. and it sounded like me. And this is, so I've talked to a lot of people about that, and they tell me this is what it's like when you get blackout drunk. Right. And you check your phone the next day, and you wrote paragraphs and paragraphs to your ex-girlfriend, and you don't even remember having a phone. And you read the paragraphs, and it's you. You wrote them. It's your word, not your greatest writing, but it's you. But you were writing all sorts of stuff and she'd say something and you'd react. And mm -hmm. that's a version of you that wasn't played by you. And you go back and read that and you go, that guy 
was you for a period of time, a person you don't even know. Right on. That they just slipped into your body and did all that stuff that you would do, except you wouldn't make those decisions, but you did. Mm-hmm. Or you didn't know you would make those decisions. And then they just disappeared and they left. Right. It's as if I go, hey, Alphaville, I need to learn about this movie. I'm going to download a podcast and I get double feature. I download it and listen to it. And I go, oh, hey, that's, that's also me who's on this show. But I've never recorded this. It's like, a, like getting a fucking recording from the future or something. It is me. It's obviously me, very much me. I could tell that these are sorts of things that I would say, but I've never said them in my life. I mean, I have, but in my head, I, I just cannot remember a word of this. It is surreal. Right. It's like that urban legend about Naked Lunch where uh, William Burroughs walks into a bookstore and sees that there's a book called Naked Lunch with his name on it. And he's like, huh, that guy's got my name. And he flips it over and he goes, that is a picture of me. I wrote a book called Naked Lunch. <laughs> it's probably an urban legend, but the idea of it is just fabulous. I, love I it. mean, if it, you know, now you have a real world example. Right. In this weird Alphaville thing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. It seems like, you know, like a, incredibly doctored tape or an impression of me or something. It's definitely me, but I didn't say those words. It's a little terrifying. It's a lot of terrifying, actually. I, uh, I want to piggyback on that point and um, offer a contrast to that based on one of these shows that we did last year. There is a show... So generally on Double Feature, we, I, think, I feel like we hit this at one point every, every year-end finale. We try to be positive. We try to say, these are great movies. This is what's good about this movie. And I'm not saying that there aren't great things about every movie on the show because I legitimately, they won't, films do not end up on Double Feature if they do not deserve to be discussed. Here, here. Right? Um, we actually just on the, the Twitter thing today, Remember, you know, Dara? Yeah. She mentioned a film called The Losers, which there are two of in my knowledge. There's the newer updated one about like, I think it has something to do with some sort of like ragtag team of heroes. Chris Evans is in it. And then there's an old one about a biker gang that gets commissioned by the U.S. Army in order to attack a Vietnam camp. I have the one sheet poster of the latter hanging in my living room. I think it is one of my favorite examples of exploitation, one of the most fun movies to watch. I don't think it will ever end up on double feature because there's nothing to say about the movie that the movie doesn't say itself. It's a shallow film. It is just, it is pure exploitation to the point of shallowness, which is why I actually asked her to clarify because I was afraid I was going to have to be like, that movie lacks substance. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's good. People are going to get to hear the reasons we denied some of their pairs and not others. And then they can counterpoint. And be like, oh, you know, when you told me no about this idea for three years, and then on the fourth year you did it, and it was the fucking greatest? Totally. Well, that's this new thing I'm recommending, too. So to predicate that conversation, I want to point out something that is going to be much... It's is a topic of much debate, I'm sure, especially among double feature listeners. And it's probably a subject that I am wrong about, okay? I do not give a fuck about these John Wick movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know your stance on this. 
I have already with now the sequel and now atomic blonde coming out. I have a working theory of this idea called Wixploitation in my head where with the post advent of Mad Max Fury Road, which is uh, probably the greatest action movie of all time, people Um, are going, Oh, we can up the octane and limit the story. And as long as it's enjoyable and the octane is high, the movie is valid. And I feel like a lot of people are going to me. It feels like people are seeing John wick going. That's okay. But the action's fun and it does the action really well. I'm going to say it's great. And to me, when we paired John wick with hardcore Henry, it was an unfortunate glaring disparity for me where I saw a movie. I saw a movie with heavy, heavy octane. Yeah. And I went, I love everything going on right yeah, that now. Was my other and one. then I saw John Wick be a movie which t- in my vision, my incorrect vision, I just went I'm just this is slow. The fight scenes are are grossly obviously choreographed. This doesn't resonate with me the way that Mad Max and Hardcore Henry are. And I'm going to try I'm going to see John Wick 3. I'm going to see all the, I'm going to see atomic blonde, but I think I'm going to come out of this fad and go, that was never that good y'all. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like the worst thing we can do on double feature is accidentally pair things that are too similar in what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And then one of them, of course, will be brilliant at it. And then the other one can't seem brilliant. Mm -hmm. Right. John Wick is a movie that people like because of its technical proficiency and its action. I, I mean, but that's not really the reason I like John Wick. That's what most of the audience goes to it for, though. And because that's not what I like, I feel fine pairing it with Hardcore Henry, which I knew would be this explosive new way to look at action and one of my favorites this year. And in doing that, it would evoke a physical reaction in me like a great horror film does. It would get my heart beating super fast, like I'm doing a fucking workout, and I'd be exhausted when the movie's over. This is another one of the great Ebert box thing the the machines for empathy can do. Mm -hmm. They can not only make you sick or frightened or happy, they can also make you feel like you just ran a goddamn mile. Mm -hmm. And when you put those two movies together, the action was I mean Hardcore Henry did all those things but it was also really packed with action and so it was hard to talk about the style and the world building that I liked in John Wick because when you watch the two together you really do look at them as as two action movies it's hard not to compare that elements of them which does John Wick a disservice, I think. Mm -hmm. One of the great things Double Feature can do is create a context. And in this case, I think uh, one of the, I mean, the bad thing that we did was create context. Mm -hmm. And this happens when you see a movie. It depends on the crowd you see it with or the time you see it or whatever. We may have permanently ruined John Wick for ourselves. Yeah, right. And you know, that's one of the things that happens too, is you, you watch John Wick and you go, maybe, maybe I don't like Octane anymore. And then you see Hardcore Henry and it is an Octane movie and I go, oh, fuck, well, that's not it. Right. Yeah. That's how I felt about Baby Driver. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm still, I'm still an Octane junkie. There's just something about this Keanu Reeves maybe. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, those are my bad. So those are my bad double features. Um. Honestly, a uh, full metal jacket and head is probably toward the top for me. That one. I mean, I don't. We don't need to get into it too much because we just hit it on the show. But those those movies, they made our point so well, and they're two just like outstandingly great movies in my opinion. Um, but if I want to talk about a movie uh, or a pair... Well, before you move on, yeah. I think what was also great about that double feature is it came so early in our journey about war and drug movies mm-hmm. and that it hit what I thought would be the inevitable conclusion of the whole journey. And that can either be a dire mistake... Definitely. ...or inform me that you're about to go on a hell of a ride. Mm-hmm because it gets way more intense than this. It goes so much deeper than what you thought would be the end conclusion. And so I was really happy that that happened earlier so we could be freed up to look much deeper into the films that came after that. I also really liked uh, the Dark Marathon double feature. The hands on a hard body, they shoot horses, don't they? That pair, the theme was, it was a, it was a heavy handed theme, but functional through that lens. Every once in a while we put two movies together and the theme. Man, you got another one of mine. That was going to be one of my first. Just by, by announcing the theme, it allows us to strip away whole portions of conversation. Another place that I think that that was a really interesting thing we did was with rope and the exterminating angel. Because we just kind of went trapped in a room and then you don't have to really address that. I mean, to tackle so many different ideas, two movies that were so rich with ideas yeah, and for them to both being, you know, different methods cinematically of people just sitting down and walking you through an experiment or talking you through something that happened. It was just riveting. I was inspired to write a movie after I saw Rope again. Mm -hmm. And I'm just as on record as you as not thinking it's the best Hitchcock film. Although there's also so many Mm -hmm. uh, not the greatest Hitchcock films. Well, I'm fairly certain The Trouble with Harry is the answer to that question. I think that The Birds used to be my least favorite. And then I saw a picture of a woman screaming and running and a bunch of Twitter logos hacking at her. And I just thought that was the greatest. And now the birds gets a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think Rope and Exterminating Angel. And also the Exterminating Angel is so important. Right. And so fucking old. And there's so many movies in here that should have taught us lessons. And we just didn't listen. And I want to hit on a lot more of that next year. Also, Green Room and Night of the Creeps. I think those uh, covers went really fucking well, but along with Hardcore Henry, I think Green Room might be one of those new movies mm-hmm. that I hadn't seen before it was on the show. And a couple of things just blew me away this year. I want to give a shout out to The Invitation, which was just so, so fucking good. Um, our first citizen, Kane and the Godfather, uh, double feature. Obviously, I like the 31 and Blair Witch pair because I produced one of those movies. Uh, Blair Witch got a. Yeah, dude, everybody, turns out everybody hated that. I'm really glad that we went 
we came out and did this show on a movie that it turns out everybody didn't like, uh, but that we caught it so early that you and I were like, yeah, this is great. Isn't this great? Oh my God. I'm so glad it's yeah, so good. Absolutely. And we didn't have to deal with a backlash that hadn't manifested yet. That will inevitably drive you down. Yeah. And oddly, no backlash came for 31 on that show. So thanks everybody. You're so nice to me on the Twitter. You're so nice to me. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm looking at the, like, we got Handmaiden and Basic Instinct. Oh, damn. I, I already mentioned the uh, three o'clock high double feature. Yeah. Handmaiden and Basic Instinct was, I mean, that's so worked. This sort of cheap idea of, oh, vaginal thrillers. But considering the erotic thriller, mm-hmm. I thought that would be a callback to M and Seven. You know, this was your idea. And I went, oh, M and Seven, I get that. And that was a, instant easy one where a genre was doing some of its most infamous work and then where a recent example had taken that really far artistically Mm -hmm. and the handmaiden and basic instinct it just made me snicker we could do the erotic thriller we don't do a lot of those on the show and that turned out to just be i mean basic instinct really is a great example of all that 90s stuff and The Handmaiden is one of those movies that if you're looking at this list and going, I haven't seen a lot of these movies and I, I want to start seeing a couple of them and listening to those shows. I agree. Yeah. Fucking Handmaiden. Watch that. Um, but honestly, I mean, I'm looking at this list and I just think this is, you know, no bullshit, probably the strongest list of pairs in a single year. I wouldn't know that just from looking at the list of movies. Yeah. If I hadn't heard the shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to hear the shows more than you do because I, I mix them and then I have to listen to them over and over and test them. And mm-hmm. and I have not been so proud, honestly, of the shows we put out. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, we had great conversations about these. And the movies enabled us to do that. And the audience picked the movies that got those conversations going. You know, the trick here and the reason I don't have any ego about my ability to double feature is that if you just set you and myself down in a room and said, okay, talk, uh-huh. I don't know that it would be very good. Yeah. <laughs> but if somebody goes talk about the skeleton twins, right. A, a wonderful conversation just explodes. Right. I think we are at a point where we know what films are, mm-hmm. what kind of conversations they want you to have and when those conversations can can go into scary places and that's where some of my favorite double features were this year Mm -hmm. in all the sex we talked about and really that goes through to i mean one of the best examples was the handmaiden Mm -hmm. talking about intense sexual dynamics and we talked about that really early when we did uh, the neon demon a keanu reeves film yeah we had a conversation that wound up being uh, consent is the most important part of sex. Next to fatality, I guess. Make sure first that no one will die, even if they don't consent to that part. Secondly, don't have sex without consent. Mm-hmm. Make sure that consent is pretty fucking good. Right. And then the third priority is probably, you know, don't have babies, don't get diseases. And beyond that, I don't know, don't dissolve marriages, don't 
fuck up household, all the stuff that doesn't matter. So we get to talk in The Neon Demon about that line of consent. Not even just with sex, but how as a director, you can make some of the most profound art, profound lasting art, and get the most profound performances that can help so many people and push culture so far along. But in order to do it, you have to, you know, give somebody a bottle of water that actually has vodka in it. You have to tell someone, open this box. There's no spiders in it and it's full of spiders. You have to say you'll push them off a building at three, but actually push them off at two. And sometimes you have to lock them away in a big creepy room and tell them to take their clothes off, whether they knew they were going to do that or not, and to not have the preparation. And it gets further and further. The Neon Demon did a lot with how far you're willing to go, Mm -hmm. but that includes how far past the lines you should be comfortable with, like your own sexual safety. Do you want this so bad that, you know, that power dynamic you're willing right. to... Well, and I mean, yeah, it it, bring, it calls into question the the terrifying notion of yes means no. Of agreeing to something because, you know, ends justify uh, the yeah. means, essentially. But, like, you're not actually... Mm-hmm. The consent only exists for the reward. Yeah. And it wouldn't exist if the reward was attainable without the consent. And is that really consent, Right. And so as we went through these different movies, the conversations got more and more complicated, Mm -hmm. which scares me a little bit when new listeners come on and we're just talking about which types of rape are okay. But, you know, it allowed us to get into, Mm -hmm. if someone is in a room and has a, I'm just going to paint this picture because it's too weird if I see you and me in this hypothetical, but now you'll think about that anyways. There's a guy in this room. He's got a gun to the head of a woman and says he will shoot her. He will shoot her family and then shoot her if she doesn't have sex with him. That's rape. That's rape. It's just simply, I'll kill you if you don't have sex with me. I'll kill your family if you don't have sex with me. That is rape. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as I'm trying to rape you and you're trying to get away. But if you get away, I will grab my gun and shoot you. Mm Mm-hmm. Then all the other way, not at the bottom, but down the spectrum is, say, a situation like the Neon Demon, where you go, you're going to walk in this room, and you just got to do what this says. That's just part of what this thing is. Same thing with Nymphomaniac. You just sit in this room, and when you get in there, you just do whatever he says. That's the rule of the kind of the rule of the game there. And if he says, I'm going to have sex with you right now, is that rape? Mm -hmm. And all along the spectrum, if, if I have a cheesecake and my girlfriend wants a bite, and I say, I will not give you a bite of this cheesecake unless you have sex with me, and she says no. That's the same ultimatum type situation that you find on either side, on that spectrum. Would people consider that rape? How about you? Do you think that's rape? Uh, I have a delicious cheesecake. And by the way, if you're just trying to make a point and you say no sex, I will eat this cheesecake in front of you. I will, that is what will happen. Uh, I, I would go ahead and say that's, it's, oh man, this is tough. 
probably not rape just because the cheesecake is not a life or death so situation. So the problem. Right, exactly. Because now we're just talking about what the item on the table is. Your life. If the item is your life, definitely. Enough money to pay rent. Well, if the item is enough money to pay rent, that's still in a gray area of sorts because we're talking about choices you make to, sure. I don't know, do your job. Say you work at a club as a dancer and you dance for money and a guy puts a plate of money in front of you and says, if you fuck me, I'll give you this money. And you go, that's against the rules of the club. Well, yeah. Okay. So here's, so what you're saying is we need to cover indecent proposal on year 10. Is that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It, there's only smaller lines. If that money were a car that someone needed in order to get to work to survive, mm-hmm. and you go, well, you know, I paid for that car and I don't want you to have it. Mm-hmm. And the other person says, please, I'll lose my job. I'll lose everything. I need my well, r- but then I need a ride. And you go, well, only if you have sex with me. Yeah, but it also calls into the question the idea of sex as a commodity and the legalization of sex work. This is not a conversation for I know, a year no, end. I know. It, it yeah. is a, it's very tough because also I think, I simultaneously think rape is the worst thing and that sex is a commodity. Mm-hmm. And so I often find myself in a crazy part of the spectrum when people are having this debate because one side goes, you trade sex or you don't trade sex. It's an item and it's your choice. Mm-hmm. And then you get into, say, a work scenario where you can't get ahead, you can't get a promotion if you mm-hmm. don't sleep with the boss. Does it make that an okay commodity to trade? Probably not. Sure. But why? Because it's just a commodity. <laughs> it, it gets really tough. We can look at a lot of these scenarios and know what the answer really is. Uh But figuring out why can be a lot trickier. This brings me to Nymphomaniac, which we just did. Listen to everything on there. There's so much that in there that we can only even talk about selective pieces. I like that we acknowledge right away the routine in Mm -hmm. Nymphomaniac that you give me free erotica and I will (laughs) give you a parable about fishing or whatever and that was kind of goofy but that takes it from pretentious to yeah okay that's goofy that 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 set up that premise and now what do we do here Mm -hmm. and i think love as far as gasper no goes we got to talk about a lot of things we don't usually get to talk about with his films and we got to consider for the last time of the year so many different aspects of sex at such a a high kind of level that I think we had to earn our ability to do. We've sort of been having these conversations for years and years and years before we could sit down and maturely look at each other straight without snickering and go, let's talk about the line between art and pornography. That's kind of an easy one, but Mm -hmm. uh, just about the dangers of sex, about how it changes your life. And about morality in it. And we had what I think is a really good conversation about that. So I've turned this show from an eye-rolling critic best of show. There we go. To a eye-rolling double feature masturbates to itself on air show. <laughs> but I'm really proud of it. I think we did a, a great year. So we do have to get out of here. 
I'm not a soylent. I don't know if you... Yeah. I mean, we have to clean up around here because I want my security deposit back. That's a big thing. <laughs> All right. So next time on Double Feature, you still haven't agreed to this, but I'm about to make it official. Uh, this is that thing you we're do. Gonna, this is another behind the scenes. I get really busy, uh, say, finishing disposition. That's going to happen soon. I can't wait to talk to you about that. And while I'm doing that, Michael's just running Double Feature over here. So I guess we are doing, we know the first one. Yeah, the first double feature of year 10 is going to be a film called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. And then we're going to pair that with a film you may have heard of and maybe not seen called The Witch. Watch them in that order. Please, please watch them in that order. They're outrageously frightening. I'm ecstatic to talk about them. Scary fucking movies. Are you exploiting the fact that I was not involved in this decision to put the scariest two movies on during the... Watch more fucking film? Uh, All right, bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 